Well, we've been talking about the ABCs of financial success for the last several weeks, and I'm happy to report to you today that this is week five, and it's also the last week. So those of you that are putting up with the series, you can say, it's finally over. Well, not quite, but it will be soon. But I hope, and I really, I really trust that uh, that's not the case for you, that that's not your attitude at all. I hope that this has been an enlightening and an encouraging time for you as you've wrestled with some truths from the Bible and you've wrestled with some very practical issues in your own life. And I hope that this has been a series that's been uh, valuable in your life and we'll see the benefits of that for a long time to come. Now, Brad was just talking to you about your weekly update. But you know, in most churches, they don't call this a weekly update. You know what they call it? They call it a bulletin. Yeah, well, you know why we don't call it a bulletin? Because if you put bulletin, if you put out a bulletin, you get bulletin bloopers. Have you ever heard bulletin bloopers? How about this? I mean, let me give you a couple of bulletin bloopers here. These are actual bloopers that showed up in church bulletins. That's why we don't call it a bulletin because we don't want the bulletin bloopers. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. <laughs> How about this one? At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is Hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. (laughs) That wasn't in our weekly update. That was in somebody else's. This evening at 7 p.m., there will be a hymn singing in the park across from the church. Bring a blanket and come prepared to sin. I don't don't even... I shouldn't have read that one. How about this one? Low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back door. The 8th graders will be presenting Shakespeare's Hamlet in the church basement Friday at 7 p.m. The congregation is invited to attend this tragedy. (laughs) Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at the First Presbyterian Church. Please use the large double door at the side entrance. (laughs) She might have lost her job on that one. I don't know. <laughs> and how about this? The associate minister unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday. I upped my pledge. Up yours. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> um, I really hope this series has not been an up yours kind of series. I hope this has not been the kind of thing where you feel like we're trying to shove something down your throat. That's not at all what this is about. Really, our heart here in all of this is to try to encourage you to line your life up with God's Word, with what God teaches in His Bible, because we believe that if you will get your life lined up with what God teaches in His Bible, there's going to be untold future blessings for you. I believe that in my own life. I believe it in your life. I believe it not just because it's the right thing to say and the right thing to do. I believe it because God's Word says it and I've got experience that backs that up and reinforces that truth. So today we're going to wrap up this series by doing a couple of things. The first thing I want to do is a quick uh, review of where we've been these last few weeks on the ABC of Financial Success. The first week we talked about A, which stands for attitude. And we talked about Matthew chapter 6. Verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. No, there is no, uh, there's no way I can overstate the importance of this concept, of this piece of the whole, the whole puzzle because if we don't get our attitude right, 
we don't stand a chance for any of the rest of it to work. Matter of fact, if we just sit around and talk about attitude and, and uh, don't ever allow it to sink down into our hearts, then all we're really doing is moving air around with our words. We're not accomplishing anything. Everything that we talk about after this gets built on the foundation of getting our attitudes right. This is the foundational issue. If you want to see change come in your life, you've got to acknowledge what your attitude is as it pertains to or lines up with God's Word. And then you have to understand how you need to change your attitude. And this is true not just in the area of finance, but it's true in any other area of our lives. And so I want to just reinforce to you all over again, it's so important that we have the right attitude about God's Word and about finances in particular when it comes to lining our lives up with the way God wants us to live our lives. Billy Graham said this, If a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help him straighten out almost every other area of his life. I think that's a true statement. Because so much, the, the trouble with our money is just a symptom of other problems that we have in our hearts. And so if we can get that, thing, that issue of the money all straightened out, it's uh, indicative of our ability to release and to trust God. The second week we talked about B for bondage and we talked about the bondage of debt and how terrible the bondage of debt is. Proverbs 22.7 tells us that the borrower becomes servant to the lender. It's so important for us to grab a hold of the idea that bondage, or that debt is a taskmaster. It's a slave driver. When we get, when we fall prey to bondage, to the bondage of debt, we are in control of another person. I mean, another person or another institution, another organization is in control of us. We fall, we fall into a slave kind of mentality. Now, how many of you in here, you don't have to give details, but how many of you would say, I have, I have fallen prey to the taskmaster of debt one way or another? Yeah, almost everybody in the room, almost everybody here would say, at some point in time, some point in my life, either now or in the past, debt has had control of my life. And I want to tell you, God's plan for your life is that you live in freedom. God's desire for your life is that you are free to serve Him and to follow Him and to obey Him and not be bound by some external force, some external person or institution or organization or commitment of debt. Now, God never in His Word specifically says debt is wrong or evil, but He does tell you that it's not His best plan for your life. So I want to encourage you today once again to remind yourselves and to continue to hold on to this concept that debt is bad. It is a bondage that we are not designed to be subject to. And I want to encourage you to do whatever you have to do in your life to get out from under it. Jim Rohn said this, We all suffer from one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Discipline weighs ounces. Regret weighs pounds. And when we talk about this issue of the bondage of debt, it really comes back to are you willing to are you willing to impose discipline on yourself now so that you don't have to fall prey to the bondage of debt? Because regret later on is a much heavier burden to bear. The third week we talked about C for choices. We talked about Malachi chapter three, which is the famous passage that all preachers use when they want to talk about tithing in the church. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. But you know, this is not just some quick and easy little passage for preachers to use when they want to twist your arm and try to get you to give money to the church. It's not at all about that. Not at all about that. 
This is about God's word, God's principles, and God saying, if you will do what I say, you will demonstrate to me that you're willing to line your heart up with the way that I want to go, with my path for your life. And when you do that, the fullness of what I want to offer to you is now available. And so we discussed the issue of uh, making the right choices, making the, the choice to follow God, to be obedient to His Word, specifically in the area of the tithe. Robert Kiyosaki says this, Over the years I have found that many of the richest people in the world began their lives with the habit of tithing. And you know, I, I, you can go back through the history of the United States for the last couple of hundred years, and you can see some of the richest people that have their names hit, the, the heavy hitters. And you can go back and look at all through their career, they were faithful tithers. There is a principle that's in effect from God that God honors. And so I want to encourage you, make the right choices. And then when we, we talk about, last week we talked about D, decision. We were in Second Kings chapter 5 and we discussed the story of Naaman and how Naaman had to learn to trust God. You know, it's not enough for us just to have the right attitude, although it starts there. That's the building block. That's the foundation. It's not enough for us to acknowledge the bondage of debt. It's not enough for us just to make the right choice. We have to make a decision that we're going to take a step in the right direction. And you will not make that step in the right direction if you don't have a trust level with God. So today, part of my goal with you is to encourage you to develop that deep-seated trust in who God is, in God's Word, that God's Word does not lie. God does not lie. And He's faithful to perform His Word. And I want to make sure that that's what you hear today. I want to make sure that that's what you get. Today, we're going to talk about... Well, I'm sorry. Let's go back to the decision. Martin Luther, the great Martin Luther, says this, there are three conversions, the heart, the mind, and the purse. <laughs> and I think it's true. It's one... It's It's... It's a mammoth thing, a monumental task for our heart to be converted to God. It's another thing for our mind to begin to be transformed, as Romans chapter 12 says, to be transformed and renewed to following God's plan and path. But you want to know when you really know that it's working in your life? When you're willing to release control of your purse strings. When you give your wallet or your purse or your checkbook to God and say, God, I'm going to do it your way, not my way. That's when you really know that the changes have occurred inside here that really need to happen. Today we're going to wrap this up with talking about e-encouragement. And I, as I said before, I want you to be encouraged. Now, let me reiterate this to you. If you feel like the church is trying to squeeze money out of you, if today you feel like, I just hate going to church because all they're going to do is talk about money, talk about money, and they just want me to give more money, that lousy stinking preacher, he's a thief. If you feel that way, I want to encourage you, don't give. God doesn't need your money. That's not what this is about at all, all right? This is about us fulfilling our potential, living up to God's standards, aligning our lives with God's path, and it just so happens that money is pervasive in our society by God's design. Commerce is in our lives because God designed it that way. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of the way that we live as humans on this planet by God's design. And so it becomes one of the greatest, strongest tools to conform us and to test us to display to ourselves and to others that we are willing to commit our lives to God and to God's ways. So, we're going to talk today about how we can be encouraged with all that God has for us. Now, C.J. Tubert, 
never made more than $6,000 a year during his career as a postal worker. His entire life, the most he ever made in a single year was $6,000. He used to go around wearing secondhand clothes and he scribbled out his last will and testament on the back of an envelope. In 1979, when Mr. Hubert died at age of 91, he left an estate worth more than $3 million, most of which went to aid the blind. I want to say to you today, no matter matter how bad your situation, no matter where you are on the journey of your life, no matter what your financial scenario is, it's possible for God to do unbelievable things through your life if you will line your life up with what He says. How can a guy who never makes more than $6,000 a year save $3 million? I don't know. But God does. And so if we'll give ourselves to God's plan, we'll find uh, a, a way to make it all happen. So today we're going to do this by asking five crucial questions. If you've got your weekly update, there's a handout in there that's got the five crucial questions. We're going to start with question number one. Where do all the resources in the world come from? And I think this is really important. This is a foundational precept. It's a concept that we need to get a hold of so that we understand where we are. If we think that we produce resources or we think that we generate things or we think that we own stuff, then we're missing the boat. Proverbs, or I mean, Psalms 24.1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. All of the resources in the world belong to God. They come from God. And God has them available to our disposal for His purposes. But we need to understand it's all God's. It all belongs to Him. When we get a hold of that concept, we understand the difference between ownership and stewardship or owning something or managing something. And all that you and I are here to do is manage the resources that God has given to us. And here's what I want to do. We've asked you over the last several weeks to send your stories into us of how God has worked in your life in the area of finances. And I've got to tell you, if I were to sit down and read all of those stories, we'd be here for a couple of hours. There's some great stories. I had to go through and purge some out. I couldn't use some of them that I really wanted to use just because of time constraints. I've had to edit some of them down a little bit. But I want to tell you today, you are the ones that are really preaching a message because I'm going to read some of your stories and you're going to be encouraged by what you hear going on in the lives of the people sitting right next to you in this room. Where do all the resources in the world come from? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to Him. Listen to this story. Once when my husband didn't have a job and the rent was due, we received a cashier's check for $400 in the mail. The check was signed, Jehovah Jireh, which means God is my provider. When we didn't have money to finish paying off the doctor before our son was born, we prayed about it and the doctor received the money anonymously. I can't remember exactly how much, but it was several hundred dollars. We gave away two or maybe three cars And I was given a car that was very valuable. We've been down to our last $10 once, needed milk, bread, and diapers. God told my husband to give the $10 away. And before the end of the day, someone had dropped off a couple of bags of groceries, including milk, bread, and diapers. There were several times when Christmas was looking really slim and someone would call and ask about gifts and then bring Christmas to the kids. They even let us wrap them and give them from us so the kids never knew. There was a time when we couldn't make the house payment and we received a check for $900 for reimbursement of overpayment of escrow. God paid for one of my kids to get braces. 
We've been given vacations, a condo on the beach, a condo in the mountains, and a Disney cruise. The thing is, we have lived paycheck to paycheck often, and the numbers would never work out except that God has always come through. You think I'm making this stuff up? I'm not. This is real life stuff. This is really powerful stuff that's happened in people's lives. We decided a long time ago, actually I think that we talked about it before we were even married, that we would give more than the tithe, we would give an offering too. That's not always been much more, but our heart was to give, and we've always been blessed. We lived through tough times where we didn't know what we were going to do about the bills, and yet we always made it. In fact, I realized once that we hadn't had to take any of the kids to the doctor for months and months, and it occurred to me that this was God's blessing on our finances. I didn't even mention how He's blessed us with houses. And how about this one from from another couple? We were married at the ages of 20 and 21. We were involved in various church activities and attended one wherever we were stationed, faithfully giving every week where we felt we could afford at the time. After retirement from the Air Force, we remained in the Florida Panhandle going to church and making a monetary pledge. We invested in a franchise business which turned out to be a major disaster. Anybody ever had a situation like that in your life? We were advised it might be wise to file for bankruptcy, but we didn't feel it was right to do so, yet we didn't know how we were going to provide for our family. Out of the blue, out of the blue, out of the blue, a job offer came from a large firm in another state. We spent the next 13 years there, and we were both very involved in the activities of the church. It was while there we once again were hearing and finally began to understand the importance of tithing. Since that time, God has truly blessed us. As parents of two children, we have certainly had many hard, stressful, and worrisome times, as many parents do, especially through the teen years. Life is not a smooth road in all happiness and good health. We both feel, however, that since we began tithing, we have been doubly blessed. After several months without work and finding some that for various reasons didn't work out, my husband found his present position, which he truly enjoys and for which he is well paid. After eight years on this job, our only debt now is the mortgage on our house, and God willing, that will be paid off by the end of this year. You see, God is at work in people's lives. They go on to say, each day we marvel at how very much God has blessed us and we continually thank Him for His generosity. We both have times of almost feeling guilt for the blessings we have received and wondering... Why us? Now, I'll tell you why us. Because you've been obedient and faithful to God's Word. And God said all of the riches of the world are stored up at His disposal. And He disperses that to people who are obedient. Question number two, how can I get those resources? Now, I've been one... You know, the Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I've been the one in the past that would say, um, Hey, God, you own a cattle on a thousand hills. Can you send some of them to market? How about we send them down to the stockyards and cash some of them in? Because I'd like to get a hold of some of those. My, my checking account needs a little boost here, God. Can you send some of those cattle to market? So I think it's a valid question to ask. God, if you've got all these resources, how can I get a hold of them? Well, here's the answer. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. That's God's Word. God gives you the ability to produce wealth, and it's God's plan for that to happen in your life. Now, hear me clearly. I'm not, I'm not standing here today telling you this is some sort of prosperity magic trick kind of thing where you can go out and get rich quick. I don't intend for that to be the case at all. What I intend for us to all understand is that if we will line up our hearts with God's Word, He will give us the ability to produce wealth. And I don't know what that is, the ability will come from God and we'll have to manage that ability and steward it and make it work, but God gives that ability. Listen to this story. My husband and I had gotten our apartment in October and were really struggling with the payments and we thought for sure we wouldn't be able to afford it anymore. 
Since I was going to the church, I was tithing and giving with my heart 10% of what I make and didn't think too much of it. But then after things started getting rocky, work started giving me less hours, which made us dread making payments. My husband and I started talking and saying that we might not be able to stay there. I've been praying since I was little and knew about tithing. I started praying and crying. I didn't want to give up my beautiful apartment. I trusted God and asked if He wanted us to stay here to show me something. Just this week at work, a manager came over to me and asked how many hours I was getting. So I told her I was getting only 13 hours. She asked me if I wanted to pick up some hours in another department. You see, God's got ways you haven't thought of yet. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is either. But God does. I would stay in the department I was in, but also be switched around. I realized when I got home that night that God had opened a door for me and my husband. I started crying because I was so happy. I knew that God was taking care of us, and I can't wait to see what He has in store. I can't either. You see, God knows, and He wants to release His stuff to us. Now remember, it's God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. Question number three. When can I get those resources? Okay, okay, God, you've told me that you've got the resources and you told me I can get them, but I want to know when because the rent's due at the first of the month and the electric's about to be cut off and I need some groceries. It's important, God. When can I get it? You want to know the answer? Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus is talking and He says, Give and it will be given unto you. You want to know when you can start getting God's resources? When you give, it's a principle of God's kingdom. When you give, God gives. Listen to this story. When we still lived in the Midwest, and this is from somebody that sits beside you every week. You share coffee with in the courtyard. When we lived in the, still lived in the Midwest, we'd been hearing in church about how you can't outgive God. We weren't tithing at the time, but felt the calling to start. Even though my wife was a stay-at-home mom with two kids in school and all the expenses that go along with that, we stepped out in faith and began to tithe. We realized that we could not afford to tithe on just my salary, but so committed to tithing were we that we decided that my wife would get a part-time job so we could give to the Lord. Unfortunately, because of having children in school, wanting to be home on the weekends for family time and Bible studies, any other part-time job had to be between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. on weekdays only. (laughs) We realized that these parameters on a part-time job were very restrictive considering that most part-time jobs we were aware of would be exactly the opposite. Within a few days, her sister called saying that her company was looking for a part-time data entry person who could work during the late mornings and afternoons. And that was, this was important since the company was not open on weekends and nights. The job was perfect and let us keep our commitment to tithe while maintaining our family closeness. What's more, when she later quit her job, the money to tithe was still there. Even though we were down to one income again, we really could not outgive God. All right, we've talked about all these resources that belong to God and how and when we can get a hold of them. We need to follow up some more. Who decides how many of these resources I get? I think you might be surprised at the answer to this. Read in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is speaking. And he says this, given it will be given unto you. That's the verse that we just read. But it goes on to say, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You see, it really belongs to us to determine how much of those resources come back our way. 
you're a farmer going out to plant your crop, you plant one acre of seed, how much crop, uh, fruit do you think you're going to get back? You're going to get one acre of crop back. Now, that's going to be much more than the seed. That's part of God's principle as well. But it's still just one acre of crop. But if you go out and plant a hundred acres, you're going to get what? Thank you. You're going to get a hundred acres of crop back. You see, God really wants you involved in this process. God wants you to be a part of the process and you help determine by the measure that you use, that's the measure it will be used to measure back against you. Now, let me say something to you. I don't live in a vacuum. I am well aware of the economic conditions in which we live. I know that fuel is outrageous. I know that property taxes are, and all kinds of taxes continue to climb. Insurance is expensive. Property values are dropping. Income is dropping. I know all of these things. I'm aware of it. As I stand here with you today, I have personal knowledge, personal uh, experience with some of these hardships. But I want to say to you, those kind of things, be whatever they are, they do not change the truth of God's Word. They do not change the facts that God's Word is true. And there are times when it seems like you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. God's Word is true. There are times when the hardship seems like it's going to be more than you can bear. God's Word is true. God does not lie. I want to encourage you today. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Listen to this story from one of you. A few years ago, while I was attending a private college, I was struggling to pay my tuition bills and buying food was an even bigger struggle. Even so, I regularly made a small financial offering each week at church. One Sunday in church, it was almost like I felt God tap me on the shoulder. Put all of your money in the offering plate. (laughs) My first feeling was complete fear. The money in my purse was the only money that I had to buy food for the week. I earned it by babysitting and never made enough to save anything. I could eat a few meals a week in the cafeteria at school on my meal plan, but I typically went grocery shopping to get something that would last me all week. I was fearful and rejected the first messages that I should give everything that I had away. God just kept probing at me over and over again. I got so convicted that I actually visualized God's disappointment in me if I didn't listen to His calling. So I put my money in the offering, all of it. I walked out of church not knowing what was going to come for the week. Let me pause there. Jesus, when He was talking, teaching, He told the story of a widow who gave two pennies, two mites, gave a very small sum of money. And then there were a bunch of the religious people that came along behind her and they gave all kinds of money. Big dollar bills, lots of coins. They dropped them in the bucket so everybody could see. They made a big show of it. And Jesus said, who gave more? It was the widow who gave all that she had. She gave more because of her heart condition. Let's continue this story. That afternoon, I met with my small group. It was a group of mixed-age people, and I was the youngest one attending. They always made a small lunch for all of us and then did a Bible study. After we had eaten lunch, there was a bunch of leftover spaghetti that the couple hosting didn't know what to do with. They offered it to me, and of course, I took it. It was probably enough for two meals, which made me happy enough. God was providing something for me. Later in the afternoon, the leaders of the group just started looking through their cabinets and packing up a few boxes of food. They told me that they were going to send me home with some stuff. I thanked them, but didn't realize at the time how much they were actually sending home with me. By the time we were all leaving, they pointed me to their kitchen table where four loaded boxes of food sat. 
I was stunned and told them that there was no way they could give me that much. They insisted that I take it because it was a bunch of stuff that they had bought when their grandson was visiting and they wouldn't eat it anyhow. They loaded it in my car and took it back to my apartment. When I unloaded everything with my roommates, there was enough food to feed all of us for four days. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. There was enough food to feed all four of us for a week. There's complete truth in the fact that we may miss many of God's blessings when we don't follow Him as we should. Now, here's a case where a one-time case, this, you know, God didn't tell His person to give everything they had every week. But one time, God said, I want you to do something. And this person responded in obedience. And God gave enough food for four people to eat for a week. Do you think God is serious about what He's doing? Do you think God is able to do what God says He can do? Do you think that maybe the whole issue for us is are we willing to place our trust in Him? Now let me tell you something. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's for us. That's our standard. And God uses that standard for us. But let me tell you about God's standard. You know how God gives? God gives uh, unlimited amounts. When God gives His love to us, there is no bound to that love. There is no boundary to it. There is no limit to it. God gives fully. God gives completely. God gives wholeheartedly. When God said, I need to send my son to the earth because my people are in need of a Savior, He sent Jesus to the cross. And God, the Bible says that God loved the world so much that He sent His only Son to the cross to die on that cross. How much do you think God loves you? God loves you with a limit that is unknown. And I, don't, I have a hard time comprehending that. I'm so glad that God doesn't have the same standard coming back to us that we are required to have to go to Him. Because God gives without restriction, without holding back whatsoever. Each week, we take a small piece of bread and we remind ourselves of the body of Jesus that was broken on a cross for us. And each week, we take a small cup of juice and we remind ourselves of the blood that Jesus shed, that He poured out because He loved us so much. So our hosts and hostesses begin now to pass those emblems of communion. I want you to take that piece of bread and you eat it as it's passed. And you remember the body of Jesus Christ. And you hold that cup of juice. And in just a moment, I'll come back and we'll pray together and we'll take that cup of juice together. God, I can't begin to comprehend how much you love me. And God, I have to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know why. I don't understand why you love me the way you do. And I don't know why you love me so unconditionally. As I stand here today, God, I, I want to let you know how grateful I am. I'm thankful that you do love me that much that You demonstrated Your love in such a powerful way. And God, I have to tell you, I don't know how in the world I could begin to repay You. So Lord, all I know to do is to give You my heart and my life and to yield my will to You and my choices and to choose to be obedient to Your Word and to try to honor You with my life. God, I hope that You'll be pleased. 
But I want to say thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You'll pass those buckets in the center aisle. We can take care of our used juice cups. All right, question number five. Are we ever going to be free from our financial problems? Is there hope? Can we be free? I want to tell you that it is God's design for us to live on this planet with tension and conflict. It is God's design for us to have to work. God designed commerce and and financial um, interaction. God made it all work that way. He could have He could have made it work another way, but He didn't. So there will be effort required in all of it. But let me tell you something. God says in His Word in Proverbs 10, chapter 22, the blessings of the Lord bring wealth, and He adds no trouble to it. Let me say that again. The blessings of the Lord bring wealth, and He adds no trouble to it. God doesn't throw trouble your way. God wants to bless God wants to send blessings. And I want to tell you today, I am a wealthy man. If you go look at my checkbook, you may beg to differ with me. But I'm not talking just about finances. I am a wealthy man. I consider myself extremely blessed. I consider myself tremendously blessed by God. Beyond what I could begin to tell you. Those are God's blessings on my life for which I am grateful. I am full of thanksgiving. God sends the blessing of wealth to me, both financially and in all kinds of other ways. And when He does, He doesn't add trouble to it. Two more stories I want to read to you. We were young in our mid-twenties, had just bought our first starter home, had our first daughter, and I had just quit my job to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. We were living within our budget and all seemed to be going well. Then six months later, in the middle of February, we had a house fire and several things collapsed financially. Number one, we discovered we were underinsured to be able to do the complete renovation. And number two, I was unexpectedly pregnant again and his new job wouldn't cover the pregnancy or the delivery. You see, I had to have cesarean deliveries requiring surgery. In college, I belonged to a college fellowship group and our leaders were astounding. I learned the important truth of grabbing holding on and believing God's promises. I say, Thou art my God. My times are in Your hands, Psalm 31. I say, The heart of the King is like waters in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever He wishes, Proverbs 21. And I say, Every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, Psalm 50, according to God. One of the biggest miracles the Lord did for us concerned some federal grant money. It was a matching fund. You supply the first $2,000 and the federal government would match and give you the next 2000 Well, we didn't have $2,000 extra cash. I was really praying about how to get some of these matching funds and I felt the Lord saying, just go down there and ask the man to just give you the $2,000 without the money on your part. So I did. I explained our situation, showed him pictures of the progress, proof that insurance dollars and loans from family did this or that, but we needed some extra work. My suggestion was that my husband and some carpenter friends could do the work since labor is more than 50% of the cost, and he could just give us the dollars. He thought about it for only, a thir- for only about 30 seconds and agreed and wrote the check that day. 
This person went on to tell that other people went down and tried to ask the, the same government officer to just give them the money, and he told them, no, it couldn't work that way. There had to be the money up front, the matching funds. I want to say to you, God wants to bless you. God wants you to live in freedom and in fullness. It does require some effort on your part. One last story. This one kind of touched me. It's a little bit vulnerable. This is somebody that you know. I have buried myself in debt three times. I've refinanced my house and taken out a loan against my 401k to pay off credit cards. And each time I swore I wouldn't get in debt again. But I did. Whenever anyone suggested I get rid of the cards, I didn't want to hear it. When we watched Andy Stanley Stanley at small group, I didn't want to hear it. When we started the ABCs of Finance at church on Sunday, I didn't want to hear it. I even called one of those organizations to help you clear up your debt. And when they said to cut up the cards, I didn't want to hear it. I was drowning. I couldn't make the payments. I was being charged late fees and the interest had gone up so much and I just couldn't refinance again. I couldn't even tithe. I felt like a total failure. I was watching TV one night, worried about my finances when the commercial came on TV for a company that bought scrap gold and estate jewelry. I had a lot of jewelry, big pieces that I wouldn't wear because they were so expensive and ostentatious I didn't feel comfortable. I was afraid to leave them at home for fear that my house would be broken into and I was always trying to find better hiding places. I know God put that commercial on TV to show me a way out of my debt. I took some of it to a local jeweler to see what he would buy the pieces for. Then I picked three pieces and sent them to the company on TV. They emailed me back saying that they would give me $300 more than the local jeweler. I accepted the offer and when I got the check, the first thing I did was to tithe 10% to God. Then I paid off three credit cards and put them through the shredder. I felt such a tremendous weight lifting off of me. My sales had been down and commissions were almost nothing. All of a sudden, I started getting $300, $400, $600 orders. This morning, I wrote an $1,100 order. As I write these orders, I look up and say, Thank you, Jesus. I know He is doing this. The final gift? I received a call from my eye doctor who did my cataract surgery last year. It seems I overpaid him more than $700. They're sending me a check and that will be the start of my new savings account. He is an awesome God. I've set up my computer banking so that every time I deposit, I write a check for my tithe. Thank you for having this series. I know now that when I turn it over to God, He makes it work. God wants to do stuff in your life. It's going to require you to listen to His voice, line up your life according to His Word. Our hosts and hostesses are going to pass the offering buckets in just a moment. When they do that, you've got an opportunity to respond to God. Now, please hear me. I don't want this to be some melodramatic event. I don't need for that to happen. You don't need for that to happen. What you need to happen, have happen in your life is that you make a choice and a decision that you're going to line your heart up and your life up and your, your, your financial accountability up with God's Word. And leave the results to God. And God says in His Word, test me, try me, prove me, put me to the test. I want to show you I'm faithful. I'm trustworthy. God wants to do that. And I want you to do it. Because I believe that God will come through for you. Let's pray. Father, You know our hearts, God. We want our hearts to please You. God, I want to thank You for teaching us and for encouraging us, God. 
What a wonderful encouragement it is to know that when we give ourselves over to you, you're faithful. You won't be unfaithful with that trust. You won't hurt our hearts. God, for those that are having financial difficulties in this room, I pray your blessings upon them. And I pray that as they obey you and as they're obedient to the the commands that you give them, that you will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on them that they've not known before. And I pray that, God, you would reveal yourself strong and mighty in our lives. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.